0: All right, um, today we get to talk about New Orleans, one of the most haunted places in America, according to most people.
1: Ah, including us as well. We love New Orleans, spookiest town that you ever did see in the United States. One of our favorites. We love it there.
0: And New Orleans is also where you find the legend of Marie Laveau, AKA the voodoo queen of the city. Mm. And some say she's still there, literally in spirit.
1: Mm. Okay, I love New Orleans. I love a good spooky place. I actually recognize a name that you're reporting on today (laughs) and I love when you imply that there's a ghost at the end. So sign me up.
0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Rituals, a Spotify original from ParCast. I'm Christine Schiefer,
1: And I'm M. Schultz. And every week we'll explore the evolution of spiritualism and the occult through stories, practices, and the impact on modern culture. Today we
0: are discussing Marie Laveau, somebody that I think a lot of us have heard of, especially if you're into kind of the occult side of things. But I'm going to do a, more of a deep dive and
1: let you know how she's still lingering around in our current day very much appreciate that. I assume we will be talking about voodoo a little bit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because I feel like the only time I've ever really learned anything about Maria Laveau was when we went to New Orleans together for our show. And I haven't been back since, but I'm super excited to hear about where she comes from. Well, let's crack into it.
2: This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some... Smart decisions based on the facts. In the case of the weather's effect on your well-being, turn to the Weather Channel app. It clues you in on how weather shapes your mood, health, and productivity with insights built on reliable forecast data to help you thrive. Because mystery belongs in true crime, not weather. Be a force of nature with the Weather Channel app.
0: New season out on Spotify soon. All right. So today we are talking about Marie Laveau, the voodoo queen of New Orleans. Em, I know you have discussed on And That's Why You Drink that one day you'd like to cover voodoo as well in a more in-depth way, um, focusing on voodoo itself. What are your thoughts as we get started here?
1: Okay, I got a lot of thoughts. (laughs) per usual. What what else is new? <laughs> well, so here's the thing. I would love to cover Voodoo on And That's Why We Drink and almost 300 episodes in. I still haven't done it because I want to make sure that I do it as respectfully as possible. I'm very aware of my place as a white person with a platform with the ability to talk about a largely black topic. And I don't totally know my footing in that and I don't want to be disrespectful. So this is also a good time for us to say that We're hosts of a show called Rituals, so it wouldn't be fair for us to not include voodoo as a topic. And we're very excited to discuss it. But just keep in mind, this is bite-sized information compared to what's out there. So if this does spark a new interest for you, please go do additional research, prioritize content creators or histories written by people of color with much more experience than us in this. But that being said, I am so fascinated. I have heard good things. I've heard bad things. I have a feeling that voodoo is probably better than good. And media has just told me things that are not true. So I would love to unlearn that. And if today's the start of that, I'm very excited.
0: Wow. uh, No pressure on me, I guess. But yes, (laughs) we're going to talk about specifically New Orleans Voodoo today, too, which I want to also clarify is one specific branch of Voodoo. So Whereas voodoo in general has obviously a long and varied history and diverse history. New Orleans voodoo, more specifically, is the uh, kind of the branch we're talking about.
1: Well, not to hype you up, Christine, but I, you literally just taught me something. I didn't know that New Orleans voodoo was, was different. Oh, well, we're going to get even more
0: into it. So listen, you're, you're hyping me up already. Uh, I'm loving it.
1: Can I ask what you think of, what comes to your mind when you think of voodoo or hear voodoo?
0: Yes, absolutely. Thank you for asking, Em. So I think... Kind of going off of what you said, my understanding of voodoo feels like something I've picked up through media representation of. And, you know, we had a discussion about curses earlier, and I think this is where mm-hmm. what I was trying to get at is that I think that word sometimes is thrown around um, to kind of degrade or like, ah,
1: yeah. you know, put
0: down um, a belief system that maybe people don't understand or are scared of. I think misunderstood is the word that comes to mind.
1: I think that's a great word to put for it because I, I'm i very aware I don't know a lot about it. And I think the only way I've learned about it growing up was like whatever TV told me, which I have a hunch wasn't <laughs> accurate. <laughs> yeah. So there's definitely some sort of wall built up because you kind of hear like, oh, it's dark and taboo, which I, again, have a hunch is not true. And so you just kind of hear the word and associate it with negativity, and I, that's definitely not fair. Yeah, so.
0: absolutely. Especially
1: to not know enough about it to determine whether or not it's taboo.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, we just talked about the Catholic Crusades. Talk about like dark history. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like it's not fair to <laughs> link one spiritualism practice or one religion to a dark history and ignore the rest. So, can
1: I ask you another another question too? You may. What do you know specifically about Marie Laveau then? I honestly did not know too much before
0: this episode, and I had been to her grave in New Orleans on a... I have too! It's kind of cool, on a graveyard tour, and people like to, you know, leave offerings and that kind of thing. And I obviously heard what the tour guide told me, but that was kind of the extent of it. What about you?
1: Uh, I know she's called the Queen of Voodoo. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know that she was really respected in her community, as mm-hmm. far as I know. Because mm-hmm. when we did our New Orleans trip, which we certainly should do a little shout-out about, after Absolutely. But as Christine knows, I ran off separately and had my own day in New Orleans. But everywhere I went, everything was either named Marie Laveau or was, there was a mention of her. So I imagine she was pretty well loved or is highly respected. I mean, she's literally the queen of voodoo. So that's all I know, though. I just know that she was a, a big figure in New Orleans.
0: Oh, yeah. She is a big name and still is. Did you ever watch because uh, like I am a big baby and I don't watch American Horror Story because I'm scared
1: of it. <laughs> Do you
0: have you ever seen it?
1: I worked on it, but I did. I never saw it. I, is it because you worked on it that you didn't see it? Yeah, I just I I already saw the spoilers. I made this. It ruined the magic so, for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, apparently
0: in Coven, which is one of the seasons, there was a fictionalized version of Marie Laveau played by Angela Bassett. So
1: <gasps> I love you, Angela Bassett.
0: Yeah. If you've seen that you know, season, you probably have some reference as to, you know, how she's still relevant in
1: today's world. Uh
0: Okay, cool. So Marie Laveau goes hand in hand with New Orleans as we've both kind of discussed. We've both been and seem to run into her, uh, not physically at least, I don't think, everywhere we go. (laughs) (laughs) You did take a gator tour on a swamp, so I'm hoping she wasn't involved with that but you know well mind. hey
1: i had a great time in new orleans except for that gator swamp tour <laughs> ah, it was ah. six in the morning it was 120 degrees out and with like a 100 percent humidity index and then at the end they didn't tell you this but there was an like an alligator the whole time sitting in a cooler <laughs> and at the end of your fun ride on a swamp uh, they make you hold the alligator and the person handing it off to me half dropped the gator So I almost dropped the gator. The gator knew that. And both of us didn't like each other very much. It was a whole thing. It it started squirming all over me. I can't, I still think about it. There's a picture of me right before the gator lost his mind. And I also lost my mind. And both of us look terrified in the pictures. This poor gator. I can't get over the fact
0: that they kept him in a cooler. Like,
1: geez. Had I known, I would have been in the cooler with him. To be honest, it was so damn hot. Anyway, (laughs) keep going. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Anyway,
0: so Marie Laveau goes hand in hand with New Orleans. She was actually born in the French Quarter in 1801. Yeah. And if you've been to New Orleans at all or know anything about it, you know that the French Quarter is like the the center, the central hotspot where the hubbub happens. The 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 main drag. The main drag, if you will. And so she was born like right there. In 1819, she was about 18 years old. She got married, and the couple had two daughters. But for whatever reason, in 1824, a few years later, her husband disappeared.
1: Mm, Very okay, mysterious. he went on a on a gator tour and never
0: came back. Honestly, you should have learned, and you have no one to blame but yourself, Em. Just,
1: <laughs> just don't retain any information from that trip except the actual gator. <laughs> So she
0: claimed he had died and that she was now a widow. And then two years after her husband went missing, she got into a common law marriage with a French nobleman and stayed in that relationship for roughly 30 years until he passed. So a oh, long time. Long time. They reportedly had m um,
1: 15 kids. What? Here I go. Insert generalized joke about the Duggars. <laughs> And asterisks. Please continue. Insert semi-relatable joke about the duggers. <laughs> <laughs> like anytime I hear about more than like four children, I'm just like, what? I just I immediately just jump to the Duggars. Okay. <laughs> well, they reportedly had 15 kids,
0: even though only seven are documented. So another hmm. kind of strange kind of inconsistency here that as her biography goes on, there are just more questions being raised.
1: And she had two others... From the previous remarriage? Uh yeah. They had
0: two daughters. She had two daughters in her first marriage and then right, exactly. She and the sex so at the very least there are apparently nine documented children. So Duggar comment still applies. I was gonna say I'm I'm fine with keeping it there. Yep. <laughs> still a lot of kids. Holy crap. If you go to New Orleans and do touristy things, um, you'll hear about Marie Laveau becoming a hairdresser and she heard her fair share of dark secrets from the wealthy clients, which sounds like something Mm. that you or I would do to kind of entertain ourselves back in the day. Like what jobs are available to us? I don't know. I guess we could gossip at the hair salon.
1: Any opportunity where gossip is a high one on the list for benefits. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) There's no health insurance. Oh, that's okay. I I don't need it. Honestly, speaking of when I worked on American Horror Story, half of the perks of working there, one of the perks was getting to make props for TV shows. Number two was knowing the gossip behind all the sets of TV shows. It's pretty cool. Why do you think I stayed that long? Are you kidding me? I wanted to know it all. Why do you think I became friends with M? I Hey, I'll let (laughs) you.
0: Marie was also a devoted woman of faith who gave guidance to prisoners, her community, and made her home a safe space for anyone who stayed or visited. So mm. this kind of goes back to what you were saying of she seems to be, based on what we see now, a very well-respected member of the community. Because sure. even before she got into voodoo at all, she was, um you know, she basically made her home like, a welcoming, safe space for anyone who needed her help, including—I mean, she guided prisoners, she helped her community, and over time, these Catholic traditions that she had been kind of mixed in or brought up in uh, soon got combined, basically, with voodoo practices and beliefs because she started learning from a, quote, voodoo doctor— Mm, okay. So this is this is where it all kind of starts to blend together. I see, and I think you and I talked recently in a different episode about how different religions sometimes, even if they feel like they're very different, like Catholicism and Voodoo, there is that overlap that happens. Yeah, and that people tend to kind of ignore. But I feel like that's kind of this is a perfect example of that. Right on. So she would recognize spiritual forces that affected people's daily lives and then connect to those spirits using dance, music, singing, and snakes. I think this is the first part, first time where you're fully not agreeing with Miss Laveau, I believe.
1: I think she sounds wonderful and everyone's got a flaw. And... <laughs> That's okay. It, if you told me that I had to work with snakes to be able to practice anything, I just simply wouldn't do it. And even if you told me <laughs> it would connect me to the spiritual world and help people and I'd be revered for the the rest of the time, I still wouldn't do it. i wouldn't do it ever? Not even a little bit. Unless really? I was known for like, having a rivalry with snakes. Like, I'm I'm fine with that. That's a healthy thing healthy <laughs> You would thing like to,
0: rewrite the script be like, okay, I know you have me loving on these snakes,
1: but how about- <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Years and years from now, the story would get twisted into like, I was a snake or something, but I- <laughs> No, you couldn't pay me enough. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to the snake lovers who are listening to this. I'm so glad snakes have you to love them. It's not my <laughs> responsibility in this life, so- in the next
0: life, Em's going to come back as a friggin' snake and we're all going to have to
1: watch. I might be eaten by a snake by the end of this one. I don't know. It's <laughs> There's a reason I have a weird aversion and I'm Some, cool with it. Something
0: is happening. Yeah. Well, then maybe you can appreciate it at the very least that she connected to these spirits using dance, music, and singing. And we'll Yeah, just put a period at the end of the sentence. Don't don't say and snakes at the end. I'll put the snakes in brackets for now and you can appreciate the rest. Thank you. So Marie really helped the community accept her voodoo practice as mainstream, which wow. is hard to believe back then when things were more traditional. I mean, I guess in a town like New Orleans is the only place maybe that that could really happen. But even nowadays, like you wouldn't necessarily think of voodoo at all as mainstream.
1: Yeah, no, I wouldn't. But then again, you know what? In New Orleans, I still think of it as mainstream. If you were to ask me what I think of it, earlier when you asked what you think of voodoo or when we were talking about it. I think the only thing I didn't mention was that it's exclusively, to my knowledge, uh, a New Orleans practice or is known best for being part of New Orleans culture.
0: There's definitely at least a strong connection there. I I think it is practiced elsewhere as well, but I I think definitely New Orleans is the one that we most associate with voodoo. And that's probably mostly because of Marie Laveau. So she was able to, and I I do wonder if that's partially because she started off in the Catholic community and then... Mm. Kind of brought in voodoo. So it was a less daunting kind of approach, you know, and I think maybe that's part of it. I'm not I'm not positive. Obviously, that's just conjecture. But essentially, she became locally known as the queen of voodoo and was even referred to as her majesty by
1: the press in New Orleans. Hey, talk about a climb in the ranks. All right. I love that. Honestly, I mean, hand over a snake. I'll take it. Wait a minute. Never mind. Me. Hand me a snake. M's out. I'll do it. (laughs) I'm very much a diva in a lot of ways. And I would love for someone. I would love for the whole town. I would love Burbank to know me as like your highness. But if (laughs) if I had to carry a snake around or work with snakes at all for that, I'm fine with just being unknown. Being M. Just being me. (laughs)
0: Coming up, I'm going to give some basic Voodoo 101 so that we can kind of appreciate and understand Marie Laveau's legacy even more.
1: Very exciting stuff. I cannot wait.
2: This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be
0: Let's get into New Orleans voodoo a little bit. And by a bit, obviously, like you said, we're just scratching the surface. There is so much more to be learned that we could never fit into a podcast episode. But Mm -hmm. as usual, the wonderful researchers at Parcast have put together just a very awesome kind of comprehensive little introduction here for us. So like I was saying earlier, New Orleans voodoo is a very specific kind of branch of voodoo. So that's what we're going to be talking about. Got it. So New Orleans voodoo is an Afro Catholic religion brought into the colonies in the 1700s. There are many stories told about its arrival and its history in the North American colonies. The most prevalent being that after the Haitian Revolution in 1791, many French enslavers relocated from the islands to New Orleans. And some of the enslaved peoples that they brought with them brought that voodoo faith, kind of held on to it, and oh, brought it with them. Okay. Okay. To New Orleans, which is an interesting kind of backstory. Yeah. So amongst the colonists, a story began to spread that the Haitian Revolution started with a voodoo ceremony. So we're oh already, my God, wow. I know, I know. So we're already starting with like these rumors that, as you called in a different episode, kind of a game of telephone over the centuries. And here we're already beginning with like rumors,
1: <laughs> like from day one, <laughs> truly day one, like already took these, sold these people, and uh now is just saying like, oh, and also they're performing ceremony and also
0: they're dangerous and scary and we shouldn't trust them exactly
1: right talk about really projecting that they're the danger okay
0: Uh, next uh, that honestly i think that line is probably the best way to sum up kind of this america
1: (laughs) united (laughs) states (laughs) yeah
0: i'm just gonna leave it at that you're right you're right So amongst the colonists, a story began to spread that the Haitian Revolution started with a voodoo ceremony led by a voodoo priest where a pig was sacrificed and a blood oath was given to overthrow the French. And then just a few days later, some of the enslaved population began to burn the sugar plantations, kill the white Haitian colonists. And I mean, obviously today, just based on your reaction, we know this uprising had less to do with just voodoo and more to do with, hey, these people are enslaving us, they're cruel. This is a, you know, they're colonists. This is more politically based, culturally based than just, you know, we do voodoo, quote unquote.
1: You had me at burn sugar plantations and kill white Haitian colonists. And all I thought of was like the Lucille Bluth meme of like, good for her, you know? Yeah. Like, I'm yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. It's like, what?
0: how do we look at that and blame them? Right. It's it's. Can you imagine? No. I mean,
1: I got nothing negative to say about that.
0: So this is the story that made the white community in Louisiana scared of voodoo. Um, this is kind sure. of how we started off on that foot. And it probably explains why even today a lot of people think of voodoo as dark magic. Yeah. But as we were saying earlier, you know, it's a very misunderstood religion. And it's been said that the core value of New Orleans voodoo is protection, which um,
1: oh, is a beautiful sentiment. I, I did not know that. Okay, is see? That- Already unpacking, unlearning, bada-bing, bada-boom.
0: Unlearning, relearning. I love it. Good for her. Good for Good for me. Good for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was talking about myself.
0: <laughs> so there's also a documented story in the New Orleans Spanish Judicial Archives from 1773 that says several enslaved people were actually tried for conspiring to kill their master using grigris. Mm. Now, do you know what a grigri is?
1: No. I do not
0: okay, so a gree and I think plural you do pronounce the S at the end. So gri-grees they can be amulets, for example, or a bag of herbs. And allegedly this uh, this amulet or bag has magical powers that are used for protection, for good luck, or for curses or hexes. So it can kind of go either way, good or bad. Mm. But the idea is just that the roots are in African culture. The bags have blessed objects or substances in them that are meant to help with protection or power. And so, of course, this would scare the slave owners who looked at it as, you know, something in direct opposition to them and what they stood for. Well, sure. Yeah. And of course, you know, even if it's just being used for protection or for good luck, if an enslaved person is holding this and using this and believing in this, you know, it would make sense why a slave owner would say, oh, that is
1: dangerous to me because it goes in direct opposition to what I'm what my goals are. Right. Well, also, I mean, I'm sure like through the grapevine, these like slave owners at least heard that it has to do with protection and probably felt threatened. And exactly. They exactly yeah. they felt
0: threatened. And so that's why, again, it's getting a bad rap because even though the goal is protection, that's kind of not what these it's just the opposite of what they're looking for as uh, uh-huh. people who are enslaving these people. Yep. So, as more enslaved people were brought into Louisiana, uh, New Orleans African and Haitian practices mixed together to create what is now known as New Orleans voodoo. So, <gasps> kind of cool. It was a mishmash. Got it. Okay. Things are coming together. I see, I see, I see. So now by the mid-1800s, Congo Square in New Orleans became a community center and marketplace for people of color in the city. And this included Marie Laveau, who would sell her gris-gris bags there and offer advice and services to her community. So she's kind of doing what she did earlier as, you know, part of the Catholic community. And now she's mixed in the kind of protective practices of voodoo and is now offering her services to the community as well.
1: So far, she sounds... Based on the information I have, she sounds lovely that she's just hanging out in the park, offering (laughs) advice, giving you protection bags. I mean, what's not to love, you know? What's not to love? So far, she sounds like a pure delight. I love it. A pure
0: delight, (laughs) uh, indeed. So let's get into Marie Laveau's legacy. As we said, Marie's good Samaritan side was definitely showing she helped feed the hungry. She nursed the sick back to health. Uh, Her use of religious rituals and ceremonies allegedly helped make that happen. So she Mm -hmm. was using her kind of religious background and practices to help her community, which is just, I don't know, an awesome quality in a person, I would say. yeah. Even local politicians, this is a fun fact, went to Marie to help them make decisions.
1: Hmm. Well, hey, that doesn't sound much different than... Abe Lincoln allegedly getting seances at the White House. I was wondering if you had that same
0: thought, because I thought that sounds really familiar. It sounds like uh, spiritualism in the White House all over again.
1: (laughs) It sure does, yeah.
0: (laughs) So as I mentioned earlier, all of this led to Marie Laveau becoming the leader of voodoo culture in New Orleans. She became the queen of voodoo Mm. and basically made a pretty good living telling fortunes and making custom gris gris for people. So this is where the belief in voodoo came into play, whether, you know, we wonder were her practices real? Was this based in high hopes and fear? Um, Some scholars actually say her magical powers were based in the fact that she knew all the town gossip from being a hairdresser. So maybe she was able to utilize kind of also her charm and social skills and that kind of played into it. So it's hard to say.
1: Yeah. Also, just based on what you're telling me, where she sounds like she's just like, being a kind person, I imagine that she's, if she's talking to people, a hairdresser, you got to have some social skills and be able to talk back and forth to the person you're working on. And so I imagine she's an active listener. So I don't know how much voodoo actually does play into it or how much of it is just Mm -hmm. kind of a legacy story at this point. But it sounds like if she's reading fortunes for people or giving people sage advice, maybe she's just like, an active listener and thinking things out and just someone who gives good advice because she can read the situation. I mean, maybe Voodoo's also furthering that or making that an even stronger skill she has. But so far I can't really tell the difference. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree.
0: And I think it's hard it's definitely uh, probably impossible to say whether, you know, how much is what aspect of her personality versus religion. But yeah, I imagine like what you said. I think voodoo probably at least furthered it or helped it because considering it was a religion or spiritual practice based in protection, I assume that
1: helped when she was you know providing people advice and and I wonder too if it even from a social standpoint, if it helped her because like who would listen to a woman, but if she <laughs> has a connection to spirits that you don't have, then maybe she's worth listening to, you know like it could have could just been a power move, you know that's a
0: really good point because no you're totally right because if you think about it as i said local politicians were going to her to help them make decisions i'm not so sure if they would just go to the hairdresser to help them make decisions. exactly i feel you like know.
1: she had some sort of clout that nobody else had so she had herself out certain position. so and i also this is not to poo poo on the fact that maybe there was or was not voodoo involved absolutely but it certainly didn't hurt i think
0: yeah i imagine those went hand in hand especially when she's being you know named essentially local royalty yeah, queen of voodoo and the press is calling her you know her majesty yeah. <laughs> i assume that her charm and empathy toward people also and came into play
1: you said earlier that she like had the in on all of these like wealthy clients of hers right so like she probably also just she just knew a lot more than other people did i think she was just in a good position in a lot of places and it just Absolutely. worked very well for her
0: no i 100% agree Like I said, some scholars say maybe this was all just based in her knowing the town gossip and by getting info from those who worked for the wealthy white people in town, Mm -hmm. which, again, I can't blame her, right? Like, if she's just getting this information and using it to help people, I have no problem with that. Yeah. Around 1875, Marie Laveau announced she was retiring, but it's reported she still visited the prison and gave readings in her home, which, by the way, was on St. Anne Street Hmm. in the old quarter. So if you're looking to pay a little homage because her grave is not publicly accessible, you can maybe give a little wave to her old home there. So, you know, she was older at this point. She allegedly still went to the prison and helped people there and gave readings in her home, which is kind of lovely. But she wasn't doing it as her main career anymore. She had retired. And then on June 15th, 1881, Marie Laveau died peacefully in her home. Hmm. And after Marie died, her daughter, also named Marie, followed in her footsteps. But it is rumored that she had gotten into kind of a darker side of voodoo. And I don't know, Hmm. you know, how much of that is truth or just kind of legacy. But her daughter looked so much like her that people thought it was the original Marie Laveau. That's how similar they were. They had the same
1: name. They both practiced voodoo. I wonder if that played at all into people outside of New Orleans or the the general ignorant knowledge we've all gotten of voodoo. When I think of Marie Laveau or I think of voodoo at all, there is the old tinge of like dark magic. Mm -hmm, And I wonder mm -hmm. if That played into it of like, oh, well, your your daughter, also named Marie Laveau, did a darker version of voodoo, allegedly. So it's easy to associate them. Absolutely. And plus, if they looked so similar, I feel like one person could have started the rumor that Marie Laveau in her time used magic to, like, reincarnate herself. Or to stay alive
0: or whatever it may be. To stay alive.
1: And it just... You know, perpetuated this this concept of voodoo being incredibly powerful and maybe a little dark, or you know, absolutely. And I
0: think there's at least at the very least some mystique behind thinking this woman who practices this powerful spiritual magic has been alive for what a hundred years. You know, there, there's right. definitely some mystique there, whether it's dark or not. Like I can understand why people would get a little like taken aback.
1: Well, it also probably then just furthered let's say someone really believed that, like, oh, she lived two lives or, you know, whatever the story could have been. It only probably made her seem even stronger and more powerful magically. So Absolutely. I feel like it only kept the story going. Absolutely. It kept the story alive, um, which means I guess
0: I need to name my next child after myself to just add. Oh, add that. whoa. <laughs> we
1: I was you, like, that's what, a, what, what a turn. That's not where <laughs> I was. <that's>, I wasn't <laughs> heading there. you
0: I wasn't heading there. (laughs) Is it too late to change my daughter's name? Because I accidentally gave her the wrong one.
1: Um, Here's the problem, though. If you're trying to Marie Laveau this and have a daughter that's identical to you, you're going to have to have a whole other kid because that is 100% your husband's face on that baby.
0: (laughs) Okay, I'll try again. (laughs) I'll try again another time. Up next, look-alike daughter aside, we'll talk about Marie Laveau Ghost Sightings, your favorite, mm. and her inspiration on modern-day pop culture as well. Marie Laveau's final resting place has been disputed, but she's generally believed to have been buried in Plot three forty seven in Saint Louis Cemetery Number One. Um, mm. And we've
1: both been there, right? We have. In her, well, guess who else has a burial plot there? My national treasure. My national treasure. Good old national treasure, Nicolas Cage. Mister Nicholas. <laughs> but no, I've all I've seen Marie Laveau's grave. It's a tomb.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like her. It's a, allegedly her tomb. Yes. And
1: did you see all the X's all over it? Yes. Do you want to know about that? Yeah. Cause I, I saw it there and I saw someone else writing. So on my tour, I, I saw someone writing an X. I didn't know if it was like a cultural thing. So I didn't want to do it. I don't know what that's about. Yeah.
0: That's probably good cause it's also called vandalism. Um, but I'll, <laughs> fair enough. Okay. <laughs> I'll tell you. I didn't like, I know you were on the swamp and everything. I was not going to visit you there. I also wasn't planning on visiting you in a New Orleans jail. So I'm glad we, kept it that way. (laughs) But I will tell you about the X's. I'm very excited you brought this up. This is actually the next thing on my list here. So tourists would visit the tomb wanting Marie Laveau to grant them a wish. And what they would do is they would draw an X on the tomb, turn around three times, knock on the tomb, and then yell out their wish. Hmm. Now, did you, okay, I'll finish this and then I have a question for you. So if their wish came true, they would come back and circle the X and leave an offering for Marie Laveau. That's nice. When you witness somebody doing this, did they or did they not yell out? Because I'm so curious as a nosy person. No,
1: they seemed sneaky about it. I think they like ran off. I think they were taking a picture away from the tour. And I was talking to the tour guide. I don't know if it's, allowed or not, but the tour guide certainly didn't see it happen.
0: I, I don't think it's necessarily, I, I think it's at the very
1: least frowned upon. I don't think it's something uh, I would like to endorse <laughs> on this show. Also, wow. Can you imagine being like on call when you're dead? Like everyone still wants you to answer all of their wishes? I'm so curious how many of those X's are circled because that
0: means you had to have the follow through to come back and and say thank you. And I wonder if you don't say thank you for your wish coming true, if that's if that's a bad thing.
1: Yeah. So
0: as of March first, 2015, there's no public access to St. Louis Cemetery Number One. So if you do want to go see the tomb, you do have to do a, a tour. tour because they have specific access to these cemeteries and can show you. Mm-hmm. So, Marie Laveau's original house on St. Anne Street, where she died, was torn down in 1903. There is a new building there using the same foundation. So, you know, it is believed that her spirit still resides there, being part of the original location where she lived and where she died. Mm -hmm. So, of course, there have been sightings of Marie walking down St. Anne Street. Why Mm -hmm. wouldn't there be in a cool and creepy place like New Orleans. One of the f- most famous Marie Laveau ghost experiences allegedly happened in the mid 1930s. And the story goes that an old woman came into a drugstore near the cemetery and the store owner ran off in fear. Hmm. The woman then turned to a customer named Elmore Banks. Poor Elmore. What a name. And said, Don't you know me? And Banks replied, No, ma'am. Oh. The woman then slapped him across the face. She ought to. Levitated out the door. And vanished into thin air over the cemetery. That's right. You know... Wait, there's more. Oh, okay. So Elmore had passed out. And when the store owner, you know, who had run away, came back and woke him up, he said, that was Marie Laveau. And that's why he had
1: run away because he had recognized her and knew she had passed. So... Can you imagine seeing literally the most famous person to come out of New Orleans or one of the most famous people to see their ghost fly in slap a man across the face and fly away. That man gets (laughs) to go home and tell his parents how work went or his, or like his family, how work went shopping experience. Also to get such different reactions. If you're the ghost of Marie Laveau and you see one person properly react and one person, not I'd be mad too. I'd be like, look what you're, it's not like I've been forgotten. So where, where have you been to not know what my face looks like? It's only been a couple
0: decades. Yeah. You better keep my name alive.
1: You live in New Orleans. Exactly. Figure it out. You better learn. You better learn. Can you imagine, though, like being very well known and coming back to haunt only one person and they don't even recognize you? Like of all the people? That's rough because I
0: imagine it's got to take a lot of energy to kind of summon your own spirit to go into a drugstore. I mean, it's enough for me to summon my own spirit to go leave the house, go to a Walgreens. So I imagine if you're a ghost.
1: (laughs) Well, it also makes sense why she never came back. She was like, I tried one time and someone had the nerve to not know who I was. I don't want to be here anymore.
0: Yeah. Forget it. I'm going home. Let's talk about her connection to pop culture.
1: Okay. Like I said, a
0: fictionalized Marie Laveau is played by Angela Bassett on American Horror Story Coven Mm -hmm. and American Horror Story Apocalypse, neither of which I have seen. (laughs) Fun. Me either. (laughs) There are plenty of songs about her, including the song called Marie Laveau oh and this song was co-written by my favorite Shel Silverstein <laughs>
1: What? <laughs> Just, hang on the guy who wrote a draft and a half he also <laughs> wrote <laughs> where the sidewalk ends yeah uh one of my favorites. he had some pretty in-depth solid poems I I have oh, yeah. faith that the song isn't too gruff
0: Well, no, he's also a songwriter. He was also a playwright and songwriter. I mean, I think he's very famous for his children's work, but he also has quite a legacy behind him as far as like literature and songwriting, cartoon. cartoon. I
1: only know him from like my 10-year-old experience with his book. So I, and then after that, I really never thought of him again. So you're blowing my mind again. I think about him a lot because I'm
0: stuck in my, I don't know, childhood days, I guess. But there's also a character in Marvel Comics loosely based on Marie Laveau. Did you know this?
1: Yeah, I think her name is literally Marie Laveau in Marvel. I see. uh, Okay. I remember her being in a Doctor Strange comic, which would make sense because they both do magic.
0: So apparently she first appeared in Dracula Lives Number 2 in 1973, whatever that is. Again, I don't really know anything about Marvel. But yes, you are correct that her name was Marie Laveau. And uh, I guess she had become mystically enslaved by the silver dagger and something about Doctor Strange. I don't know, I lost interest after that.
1: <laughs> I just watched the light in your eyes die. That's okay. I am here to tell you that I can confirm I've I've seen a picture of her. I think she was wearing purple or something. Anyway. I try. I mean, I tried. The the research comes from
0: marvel.fandom.com, which is not a site I ever expected on my browser. So
1: Hey, uh, whatever. I'm into it. <laughs> I know you're into it. Yeah, I guess technically that means like we could find Marie Laveau hanging out with Chris Evans one day. I don't know. That oh, would be fine kind fun. Me. You be could fun go back me. to
0: your prop working days and uh, really get in on it.
1: If I found out that there was going to be a crossover with Captain America and Marie Laveau, I certainly would be texting my old coworkers, being like, yeah. what do you
0: know? Probably what do you quit know? the podcast and go back to your old job. Yeah, I'd go back. Yeah, you're right. Well, um, what do you think? What do you think? Have, have you changed your mind about anything regarding voodoo have you learned anything i'm hesitant to ask that question but how do you feel
1: i know i definitely learned it was still definitely bite-sized information compared to what's out there but this whole episode has i don't know if changed my mind is the right phrase because i didn't think negative things to begin with but i was aware that i didn't know a lot i feel like i know more i feel like I i know
0: more i do too and i'm really thankful for all this research i feel like it was such a cool way to like you said, it's a very intimidating
1: topic because it's so mm-hmm. overwhelming
0: and there's so much of it. So and I was, we
1: don't personally, with our position in the world, don't want to research it wrong. Or No, exactly. So I was very thankful
0: for this kind of overview and introduction to voodoo. And, you know, I, I think I know the answer to this, but obviously like you don't consider voodoo dark magic uh, no. just at the core. I don't either. And again, only based on what I've read and heard.
1: I mean, today so. alone, I learned one piece of voodoo history that honestly had i learned only that piece of history my entire perspective would have been different a long time ago which is that the second it got to the states white men ruined it (laughs) that's all i (laughs) needed to know from the very beginning i would have been like oh got it so it's actually a great thing and that's where we should have left it i think the core
0: takeaway for me is that the main belief behind or the main goal of voodoo is protection i just think that's a really powerful had no idea yeah i think that's just a really awesome way to look at it and it I can see how that would get twisted yeah. by people who who felt threatened. You know what I mean?
1: And I would love to, again, everything overlaps at different points in different ways. But I would love to see how voodoo either influenced or was influenced by levels of paganism, mm. just because I feel like both of them have a lot to do with energy. I'm imagining with voodoo being about protection, I feel like a lot of Wicca is about just, you know protection and and good things so i wonder if there's any overlap to their studies and you know what's interesting about that
0: is that since new orleans voodoo is based in catholicism as well Mm. it just makes me wonder if there are elements of paganism how (laughs) the catholic like how that
1: how they reconcile that
0: yes how they reconcile that and how the venn diagram i don't know if it's still a venn diagram if there's like 85 circles but (laughs) it's a big bubble chart yeah
1: it's, it's a bubble
0: chart like how they would all overlap and so, yeah, that's a really interesting point. And like, th- I mean, that's exactly what we were saying is that this topic just can keep going and going. And it's something I think I I just want to keep reading and learning about. And um, it'll probably yeah. take a long time, but it's very fascinating.
1: Yeah, I'd love to also learn the darker sides to voodoo because I feel like whatever my interpretation of dark voodoo looks like is probably also wrong yeah. because I feel like if there's one generalized opinion amongst ignorant people on what voodoo looks like, dark magic or whatever that means is kind of a term that's floating around. And Mm -hmm. I feel like even though that's only a part of it, that part is still also probably wrong. And I got to, I mean, just from what I learned today, voodoo sounds like it's lovely, but I feel like there's a dark side to all belief systems. And I guess even if Marie Laveau's daughter was allegedly part of darker circles, Mm -hmm. I guess that does mean it exists. We just haven't really learned too much about it yet.
0: And even with the gris, the you know amulets or the uh, sachets or you know little parcels that were meant for either protection or curses, so right, you know exactly. it's sort of like what is the other side of the coin? Like what is, what does that look like? And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I agree. I would also. So hopefully someday you can do a four part episode on that's hey, why we drink. I can't 16 wait. Sixteen part, a whole bubble chart. I don't I, know. I
1: can't wait. And as for the the ghost part of Marie Laveau, yes. I I mean. I'm always going to assume that there are ghosts abound, especially when they are known to be that powerful spiritually, especially in such a spiritual space. And very also because point. I am very pro-ghost. So it really could have been like, the middle of the woods in a rural town and nobody actually died, but there was a sound one time. And I'd assume it's ghosts. So Marie Laveau in New Orleans, I'm going to say is for sure a ghost. <laughs> if a tree falls in the woods. Uh, was it haunted? It's mostly a ghost's
0: fault. <laughs> yeah, that's M. <laughs> signed M. Schultz. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, you know, I am slightly more skeptical than you about most things, but we're talking New Orleans. You and mm-hmm. I had ghostly experiences there, as we've discussed on another episode. Mm-hmm. If Marie Laveau, the queen of voodoo, Her Majesty herself is around, I believe it. Honestly, if she
1: is not a ghost, there are no ghosts. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Information on today's episode came from the Louisiana Endowment for the Humanities, Ghost City Tours, History of American Women, Pelican State of Mind, NOLA.com, Decider, Wide Open Country, and Fandom.com. Remember to follow
0: Rituals on Spotify to get a brand new episode every week. And you can listen to this and all other episodes of Rituals for free exclusively on Spotify.
1: And if you like this show, follow at Parcasts on Facebook and Instagram, and at Parcast Network on Twitter. You can find me on social media at DM Schultz, and you can find me at XTeen Schiefer. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week. Rituals is executive produced by Max Cutler and is a Spotify original from Parcast. It was created by Max Cutler.
0: Sound design by Kristen Acevedo with associate sound design by Jamie Ryan. Research
1: by Chelsea Wood. Fact-checking by Cheyenne Lopez. It's produced by Kristen Acevedo and Jonathan Ratliff, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro. We are your hosts, Christine Schieffer and M. Schultz.